to it, but welcome again. Uh, my name is Will Duvall, lead pastor here at West Hills Church, and wherever you're joining us from, however you're joining us, obviously, uh, virtually online, we want to just once again welcome you, say thanks for being with us, um, and we pray that it'll be a blessing to you. I just want to, again, reiterate, piggyback on uh, just one of the announcements that Thad said there, and really push it extra which is that um, encouragement to share our uh, Facebook and uh, email and otherwise digital virtual invite to Easter. Uh, like Thad said, now more than ever, people need to, to, need to know. They need to hear the good news of Jesus. And um, we're trying to make it easier than ever for you to share that with them. So uh, please do, even if you want to pause this video stream now and come back to it and just while you're thinking about it, blast that out to some people that you know um, need, to, need to join us for Easter. Do that right now and come back. But um, I will go ahead and dive in. We've got a lot to get to this morning um, in our sermon series, new sermon series on the book of Genesis in the beginning. Um, and some of you have asked me, why Genesis? Maybe you're, you're looking around, you're recognizing how many churches right now are uh, pausing in the middle of sermon series that maybe they started to pivot and, and preach a topical series on trusting God through the storms of life or um, how to cope with fear and anxiety. And that, that is all obviously well and good. Uh, but in sort of praying it over personally, for me, I really feel like uh, what God wants for us right now as a church at West Hills more than ever is, is simply to be deeply rooted in his word. And obviously, topical sermons can, can of course, do that, uh, but there's no substitute for expository preaching, for, for taking one passage of scripture and just mining it um, in depth for all of the gems that are uh, there within. And so this morning, I want to do that with you again in part two of Genesis chapter one. I told you uh, the reason that I barely touched on uh, creation versus evolution in last week's sermon was that I think that cheapens the text. And so I did a separate Ask the Pastor podcast episode on uh, Can Christians Believe in Evolution this past week. I encourage you to go again to our Facebook page or SoundCloud Ask the Pastor and listen to that. But hear from the pulpit uh, to turn Genesis 1 into merely a science or a history lesson, I think robs it of its beauty and its power and its purpose. Because God's primary aim here in Genesis 1 is to introduce him, us to himself, to introduce us to God. Genesis 1 is all about God. His name, Elohim, we, we saw is used 35 times in the first 34 verses of Genesis 1 alone. And so my aim then in preaching is going to be to introduce you right here right in the beginning off the bat to this utterly transcendent, magnificent, mighty, awesome God. But I, I don't want to get ahead of myself because I don't need to add any other adjectives to our list this morning because as it stands, we have 20 attributes of God to cover together. And uh, we examined the first five, of course, last Sunday, and we saw that God is number one preeminent. Verse 1, in the beginning, God, he is the alpha and the omega, the preexistent first cause of everything. Everything exists from him and for him. He is both the author and the aim of all of creation. And uh, number two, he is creator. Uh, he, in the beginning, we hear God created. 
his being creator sets him apart, sets God apart as uniquely worthy of our honor and glory and power and praise, Revelation 4.11. And God is powerful. Number three, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and that phrase that we saw as a Hebrew idiom, the heavens and the earth simply means God created everything, things seen and unseen. The 96 plus percent of our universe that we haven't even yet discovered the Bible says all of it God created to demonstrate his awesome power, all power. God is omnipotent. And number four, he's dynamic. God not only creates things good, he actually then develops them and makes them even better over time. We see the Spirit of God hovering in verse 2 over the face of the waters, transforming a world that was without form and void, that was full of darkness, into a place that is warm and light and conducive for life and habitation, such that by the end of verse 31, God calls it very good. And lastly, last week, we observed that God is number five, involved. Our God is not the God of deism, the deadbeat, absent father who created and then lost interest and fled the scene. No, our God gets actively involved, involved enough to create, involved enough to sustain, even involved enough to step off his throne in heaven and enter into our broken world that we have marred by the effects of our sin in order to redeem it, to redeem us. Jesus died on the cross to redeem you and me. That is how involved our God is in his creation. And so we concluded last week with three application points. In light of all of this, how do we respond? Number one, we ought to worship God as preeminent, as creator, as powerful. We worship him. Number two, we confess our sin. We recognize just how far short we have fallen of God's glory and goodness the lives that we have been created for, that we don't live. But number three, we allow this awareness, both of God's holiness and of our sinfulness, to draw us into deeper love and adoration for our Savior, Jesus, who would look on poor, wretched sinners like us and say, I want you. You are worth dying for. And so this morning we're going to pick up where we left off with 15 more attributes of God from Genesis chapter 1. And I'll tell you now, I set out to cover all 15 uh, today, and once again, God proved to be just too big and too awesome for even a two-part sermon. And so I'm going to give you just 10 additional attributes of God today. I know, only 10 new bullet points. And then I'm going to actually make you tune in to uh, some Facebook Live devotionals throughout the week, this next week, to catch the remaining five. Now listen, just a quick note about that. I know that Facebook is the evil empire. I assume that they are selling all our information to China and Russia. And so I get it. If you have held out this long on the Facebook thing, I get it. But listen, you can sign up with as little as your name and your email. And if for no other reason, I think it is a really powerful tool to connect us during this time. And so I encourage you, like, like Thad already announced, to join our closed group uh, for the church, WHC closed group for prayer requests, updates, and devotional encouragement. But in this sermon, 
And these next 10 points, rather than waiting until the end to give you our takeaway application points, how do we respond throughout this week and put this into practice, I want to try and give us just one practical application suggestion to accompany each of these qualities of God as we go through, okay? So, again, wherever you are, kitchen table, uh, on your couch, laying in bed, would you stand with me as you're able now for the reading of God's Word together from Genesis chapter 1? Uh, we'll, we'll read it all again. It's all worth reading. Verse 1 all the way to chapter 2, verse 3. Hear the word of the Lord. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and morning the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse, and it was so. And God called the expanse heaven. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth and the waters that were gathered together he called seas, and God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit, in which is their seed, each according to its kind, on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit, in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons, for days and for years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures, and let the birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures, and every living creature that moves, with which the waters swarm according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. 
And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. And thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work, all that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. God, it is good because you are good, very good. God, we thank you that this morning we have a very good God and his very good word that we can come to for guidance, for wisdom and direction in times of life like these. And so, Father, now we pray that you might help us by your spirit to surrender to you, your leading, to submit ourselves under the authority of your word humble ourselves and listen, to listen to what you have to speak to us this morning. We pray that you would do it to build your church, and for your glory we pray, Jesus. Amen. You may be now seated at home. (laughs) Number six, dive right in. God is communicative. God is communicative. We hear God do something new here in verse 3. God said, let there be light. How does God create? He speaks. Let's don't miss this. This is profound. Amongst a pantheon of other gods out there in the ancient world, each with its own bizarre creation story. The Babylonian god Marduk, who defeats Tiamat, the primeval mother, and then cuts her body into two halves, the heavens and the earth, creation by divine dismemberment, or Zoroastrianism, where Ormazd and Ariman, the equal and opposite gods of good and evil, create the world as a result of their divine war between one another, or the Greeks who believed that a bird laid a golden egg and hatched and it became the world, or ancient Hindus and Chinese and the Iroquois who all believed that we live on the back of a giant turtle who swam up from the primordial waters below. Others have guessed that the world was a result of divine intercourse. The gods got together and gave birth to the world, and yet standing above all of these other competing crazy myths about how we got here is the God of the Bible, the one true God, Yahweh, who creates by the power of his word. He spoke, and it was. 
Psalm 33 says, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their host. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him, for he spoke, and it came to be. Hebrews 11.3, By faith we understand that the universe was created, how? By the word of God. 2 Peter 3.5, The earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. And most significantly of all, John chapter 1, we hear, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He, not it, God's word is not impersonal, but he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, not anything was made that was made. And this same personal, active, living, breathing word of God who created the entire universe out of nothing would later step into his created order out of heaven and into time and space as the human person, Jesus of Nazareth. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, we hear. And friends, if you hear nothing else this morning, please hear this next part. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. And so, your application point number six is very simple here. God has spoken to you. Psalm 19 says, creation shouts the glory of God, and then he even became incarnate. He took on flesh because God so desired to make himself known to you. God is communicating with you. I ask you, have you communicated with him? Have you made yourself known to him? Look, he knows you already. Any attempts to hide yourself, like Adam and Eve in the garden after they ate the fruit and they were ashamed, any attempt to hide your sin from God is futile. He already knows. He knows you for exactly who you are. And guess what? He loves you exactly as you are. Have you called out to him in confession, Lord, I need you, like we just sang, oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. I'm a sinner in desperate need of grace. In confession and in faith, Jesus, I'm done. I'm done trying on my own. I need you. I trust in you. And to all who would do that, friends, who would receive Jesus as their Lord and their Savior, he has given the right to become children of God. Amen. Now, if you have already done that, if you've already trusted Christ for your salvation, then I ask you, what does your communication life with him look like nowadays? They say communication is the key to every healthy relationship, right? Do you recognize that God still wants to communicate to you? He still wants to reach out to you through his word, through scripture. He still wants to reveal things to us as we come to him in prayer. Christians, may we not overlook disregard, undervalue the fact that the almighty God of the universe wants to communicate with us. Let's get in his word and get on our knees today 
and every day. Amen? Number seven, God is good. We hear in verse four, God saw that the light was good. And we hear that again and again and again. Verse 10, it was good. Verse 12, it was good. Verse 18, it was good. Verse 21, verse 25, verse 31, it was very good. Why? Because God only creates good. The Bible is very clear on this one. 1 Timothy 4, 4, everything created by God is good. 1 John 1, 5, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. And so even when we hear in Isaiah 45, verse 7, I form light and I create darkness, says God. I make well-being and create calamity. Or even when we observe him actually doing it with our own two eyes in the world all around us, make no mistake, God is the one allowing this coronavirus to wreak havoc on our world right now. God could stop it in an instant by the power of his word at any moment if he wanted to, but he doesn't. Why? Because it's good for us. Do you believe that? That Ephesians 1.11, God works all things according to the counsel of his good will. And so if God is allowing it, it must be for our ultimate good. Somehow, in some way, maybe we don't even perceive yet. And so here is your practical application point, number seven. I encourage you to spend some time today in the days that come, in prayerful reflection on what good God wants to bring out of this current crisis in our world, in your world, in your life. Listen, we all know the calamitous side of this thing. Death, and sickness, unemployment, financial collapse, social isolation, boredom. We all are familiar with all that, but we as Christians have got to be a people who change the narrative. And so, after you have reflected for yourself on what good God wants to bring out of this, then let's turn and reflect God's goodness to our world in our conversations. So when you're walking in your neighborhood later this afternoon and your neighbor from a distance gives you a grim frown and asks you how you're holding up, Try asking him back, hey, how have you seen God's goodness through all of this? And see where that conversation takes you. That's a conversation changer. Brothers and sisters, God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Amen. Number eight, God is orderly. He's orderly. Verses 4 and 5, God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And later he creates the plants and the animals, each according to its own kind. God is methodical. He creates in an organized, orderly fashion. We hear in 1 Corinthians 14, God is not a God of confusion. He's orderly. And so, for our application here, I want to suggest to you that maybe this stay-at-home order is an opportunity for you to get your proverbial house in order. How many of us have realized only recently just how far off our priorities had become little by little over time? Youth sports had become more important to us than family meals. 
Getting a little ahead at the office had become more important to us than spending time playing with our kids. And we're all realizing right now how much we undervalued and under-prioritized, uh, underprioritized real life, face-to-face, in-person relationships. And so I would just encourage you today, make a list. Make a list, literally write it down. These are my priorities. This is what's most important to me in life. In order, in prioritized order, and even when I'm not forced to spend my time in these ways, this is where I want to give my time and my attention. And similarly, number nine, God is purposeful. He's purposeful. We hear in verses 6 through 10 on on days 2 and 3 of creation, God separates the atmospheric waters from the terrestrial waters. He he forms the sky and the seas respectively. And then in verse 9, he gathers together dry land. It's all emphasizing God's purposefulness in creation, his intentionality. God doesn't make mistakes, friends. Psalm 1830 says God's way is perfect. And so I just encourage you by way of application here to revisit your list from number eight after you make it, point number eight, and ask yourself, what am I going to do to be purposeful, to be intentional about keeping my priorities in order? We've got to recognize that if we don't make a sustained, consistent effort, the law of entropy says we will slip right back into our old habits and patterns. And so what are you going to do to protect yourself from yourself? There will be, listen, there will be a new normal post-COVID-19. Life will never be the same again when all of this is said and done. And so this is a chance for all of us to hit the personal reset button. What is our new normal going to look like? And how will we ensure that we keep our priorities straight when things return there. Number 10, God is a life giver. Life giver. Verse 11 says, God said, let the earth sprout vegetation. He gives life for the first time. Luke 20, verse 38, Jesus says, God is not a God of the dead, but of the living. He's a God of life. Jesus declares, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he too shall live. Because, John 5, 21, I will give them life. Jesus wants to give us life. Life to the fullest, John 10, 10. And once again, most importantly, Most importantly, if you hear nothing else, if you have not yet received spiritual life, you've been born once physically, you have not yet been reborn spiritually, that is the only practical takeaway point you need to pay attention to here. Repent and believe. There is your application. But for those of us who have, do we realize that we have also been given the power to give life to others. I'm not just talking about making babies. Here's what I mean. Proverbs 18.21. Here's something you can do today. Proverbs 18.21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 12.18. Rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. And so I want to make this real practical. I want us to give life to one another This morning, I want you to turn to someone you're sitting with right now in quarantine. Some of y'all 
Some of y'all may be driving each other insane right now in quarantine. Right? You, you, you might have been on each other's last nerves for the last couple weeks right now. Because you can't escape each other anymore. Right? I mean, maybe this quarantine is forcing you to deal with some marital or some parenting issues that we had been trying to stay busy enough to ignore for a long time. I want you to try this. I want you to avail yourself right now of God's gift to you of the life-giving power that your words can have in someone else's heart. So would you just turn to your neighbor right now and pay them a simple compliment. It might feel awkward. Some of us may unconsciously have been going weeks at a time between explicitly speaking a word of kindness to our spouse, our kids, our roommates, those closest to us. You can blame me for the awkwardness. Just, say, just pause the video and say, my pastor told me to do this. I'm sorry. I'm blaming it on him. But I want you to literally pause and compliment your neighbor right now. If you're quarantined alone, shoot a quick text message to someone who you know could use a word of encouragement from you. Tell them what you love about them. Tell them why you appreciate them so much. Do that right now. Pause and then come back. All right, number 11. Attribute number 11, God is caring. God is caring. Verse 17, we hear, and God set them, the sun and the moon, God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth. God ensured that the necessary conditions, not only for life, but for happy, enjoyable, life to the fullest. That's why Jesus came. We, we, he, he ensures that for us. We hear in verses 22 and 28, God blessed us. The animals and then people. He blesses us because 1 Peter 5, 7, God cares for you. He cares for us. Our God cares for us. And so, more practical application here. Allow yourself to be cared for by God today. I'm not talking about self-care. That's what the world is trying to sell you right now. Self-care that's not good enough, friends. You need God care. And maybe that means taking some time to yourself with God today. Go on a walk, get outside. Maybe it means spending some extra time in worship this morning. Listen to even more sermons. If you're going to binge watch anything right now, let it be worship videos from your favorite Christian artists. Whatever works for you, how are you going to allow yourself to be cared for by your good heavenly Father today? Number 12, God is creative. Verses 20 through 25, God said, Let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and the birds and great sea creatures, every living creature that moves. Have you seen an axolotl? Have you seen one? I know I can't encourage you to go to the science center right now. But when all this quarantine is lifted, go there and check out the axolotl. Go to the aquarium downtown and check out the sea dragons. Go to the uh, St. Louis Zoo and check out the okapi. 
and tell me that our God isn't creative. Try and tell me that our God doesn't have a sense of humor. We sometimes have this vision of God like he's up in heaven and he's the fun police and he's just serious and stern all the time and just kind of mildly unhappy with us. But just try and tell me that God was not laughing when he created the duck-billed platypus. Look at that picture and tell me. Try and look at that without you laughing. There's not a chance. Here's one you can do at home. Watch, uh, watch the riot and the dance. This is basically like the Christian version of Planet Earth, which is also worth rewatching, by the way. But Riot and the Earth is on uh, VidAngel website right now for free. Uh, watch that and be amazed by God's creativity in his created order and worship him for it. Let that draw you into an experience of of worship for God's creativity. Number 13, God is Trinitarian. We hear in verse 26, Then God said, let us. Now wait a minute. God's name, all throughout chapter 1, Elohim, is singular. All of the verbs that have been used up to this point and after this point, I mentioned last week, bara, the Hebrew verb for create. It's always used in the singular case. He creates. But now, out of nowhere, here in verse 26, we hear God clearly use the first person plural pronoun. Let us make man. Who is he talking about? And who is God talking with? Various possibilities have been offered over the the centuries, maybe the angels. Uh, Perhaps this is evidence that the oldest Israelites weren't actually monotheistic after all. They were henotheistic. They believed in many gods, but they just pledged themselves to worship only one. And Yahweh is talking things over with these lesser gods in his pantheon. But we know, Christians know, we know, right here we have in the very opening chapter of the Bible, a hint, more than a hint, at one of the most mysterious and yet most profound and important aspects of all of God's nature. He is Trinitarian, three in one. One God, three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is both simultaneously singular, Deuteronomy 6.4, the Lord is one and plural. Let us make man in our image. And so, if you want a practical activity for this one, figure it out. Figure out the Trinity this week. Do some theology. Study theology from from people smarter than you and me. Use your extra time at home during this quarantine to diligently research and set your mind to fully grasp what it means to call God three and one. Now, here's the thing. You need to recognize you won't because you can't. This is one of those Isaiah 55, 8 things. God's ways are higher than our ways. You'll never fully grasp it. But I can promise you this. You will be better off for trying. So many Christians get scared of theology Because either they think they're not smart enough or they worry that they'll ask a question they won't have an answer to and so it's safer to just stay in the shallows or, frankly, because we're lazy. But let's let's be honest, man. That's that's probably most of us is the laziness one. But listen, we do not honor God with our laziness 
with our insecurities or with our ignorance. None of that glorifies God. God wants to be known. He commands us in Psalm 27, 8, seek my face. So may we respond like David who writes in Psalm 119, 10, with my whole heart I seek you, O Lord. And not just with our hearts, but with our heads too. Remember, love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul, your mind and your strength. With all of us, we want to love and pursue God. And I'll just, again, reiterate, remind you of one more tangible way you can do that. Thad mentioned it in the announcements. We're launching a new 10-week Bible class the Sunday after Easter, April 19th, entitled Christian Foundations. Ten weeks of the most central theological doctrines in our faith. That class is going to be essential instruction for those of you who are new believers, and it's going to be excellent review for those of us who are seasoned believers. You do not want to miss it. Number 14, attribute number 14, God is relational. He's relational. This goes hand in hand with God's being communicative and his being Trinitarian, but it's so important it bears mentioning one more time. In verse 26, God says, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And so we'll talk about uh, more next week what it means that we're made in the image of God, but for now, I want us to notice how significant it is that God does shift to using plural pronouns specifically at this juncture. Not only are none of the other uh, crea- creatures, uh, cr- creatures and creations before this made in God's image, they're not made in his specifically plural image. That is an essential, inherent part of God's very nature. It's his plurality, his relationality. And so you and I would do well to recognize the same about ourselves. We who have been created in his image and likeness. How many of us introverts? who for years have been telling people, I could go out and live in a cabin in the woods and never see another human for the rest of my life and be perfectly happy, happy, have had to walk back some of that ridiculous nonsense these past few weeks. Like we've realized, whoa, maybe I'm not as introverted as I initially thought. Maybe I do need relationships. I'm suffering right now from a lack of relationships. We do. We suffer from from a lack of that because like it or not, it's in our DNA. God is relational and he has made us in his image to be relational. For relationship with him first and foremost, but for relationship with one another as well. We've been hardwired for it. Sure, we may still need our alone time. There's still introverts who who need to refill our tanks alone with, with time to ourselves. But we really do need people too. We need each other, and we need God. We are relational. And so one simple application I might suggest here is pick up the phone today and reconnect with someone who you haven't talked to in a while. You've got time now. Pick up the phone and call them. You're thinking, Pastor, I've been plenty relational. I've been stuck in this house with my family for weeks now. I know, I know you have, but you're tired of them. You're tired of your family you're quarantined with. So, you know, Take a walk and instead take advantage of this extra time to rekindle a relationship with someone else, maybe a friend or an extended family member who you haven't connected with in a long time, maybe years. Reconnect. You'll be glad you did because we're built to be relational. Lastly, point number 15. 
for this morning. God is empowering. God tells us in verse 26, he said, let them, man, have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over every creeping thing. Now, of all the attributes of God, this one might be the most shocking, that God would trust us. Like, did you hear what we just read? God just gave us, gave humans the keys to this brand new, bright, shiny sports car. Right, this, this, this beautiful, very good world that he has just got done creating, God turns it over to a bunch of reckless, irresponsible, impulsive teenage sinners like you and me, Adam and Eve. Why? Why does he do it? Doesn't God realize we're just going to wreck it? Of course he does. God's omniscient. God knows we're not even going to make it two chapters before we eat the fruit and we wreck it. So why does he do it? Because for whatever reason, in his perfect sovereignty and in his love, God desires to include sinners like you and me in his kingdom reign over all the world. In his mercy, God chooses screw-ups like you and like me to be his vice regents to rule on his behalf here on earth, to have dominion. What are the last words that Jesus uttered before he ascended back into heaven? The words that he said just before the Great Commission text that we recite every week together as our benediction here at West Hills. We hear in verse 18, Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. You go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Did you catch what he just did there? God gave him all authority, and then Jesus immediately turns and shares that authority, all authority, with you and with me. Matthew 16, 19, the keys to the kingdom of heaven, he's given to us. He sends us out in his name, with his power, with his Holy Spirit living in us to empower us to be the hands and the feet of Jesus in this broken world that needs him so desperately to make disciples on his behalf. And so our final application point here, brothers and sisters, is let's do it. Let's do it. Jesus has empowered us to pay it forward to others, to reach the lost with the good news of the gospel, to invite our friends to Easter online. Send the link to reach out to folks who are hurting right now and don't have the hope of Jesus to fall back on. Send them a text. Check in with them. Pray for them. Use this unique window of time as an opportunity for ministry, for gospel ministry. The world needs the hope and the love of Jesus Christ right now more than ever, and he has empowered us to do it, to share it. We've got the very power and presence of the Holy Spirit flowing through our veins. Will we share it? Will we share him with others, with the world in need?